This is George O'Connor. This is Riley Brown. This is Douglas Einer Olson. And this is the Hypothetical Island Podcast. Hypothetical Island. Hypothetical Island. Are you gonna stay? Are you gonna swim? Is the wrath of Poseidon? Are you gonna fly? Do you wanna live? Hypothetical Island. Attentive and regular listeners of the Hypothetical Island podcast know that we're in the middle of a bit of a saga. Week after week after week on the Hypothetical Island podcast, my outrageous co-host, Riley Brown, through no fault of his own, has attracted the undying ire of the, or the, let's say the undying attention of the undying god of the sea, Poseidon. Week after week after week, with promises of nautical comics cruises, Poseidon suckers Riley out onto the open sea, Riley and a guest or guests of our choosing. And then Poseidon sinks the ship with all hands on board, killing everyone but Riley and our guests, and then strands them between two islands, both equally capable of supporting human life. But that is where the similarities end, because these islands have been cunningly crafted by Poseidon to serve as something to screw over Riley, both in ways sublime and subtle and just overtly terrible. And then he puts it up to Riley and our guests to choose which of these two islands they will spend the rest of their natural or unnatural existence on. And for a change of pace this time, Poseidon's going to give me two awesome islands to pick from, right? (laughs) Well, no, for a change Uh. of pace because of the ongoing saga, as you know, Poseidon has recently stepped aside from the role of being the deity that is being the, uh, the instigator, the doler outer of islands, so to speak. He's had some uh, family members step in. Ariel, the little mermaid, his granddaughter, has come in on two occasions. Uh, Hades, the lord of the dead, his older brother, has stepped in. His grandfather, Uranos, the ball-cutting-off obsessed god of the sky, he stepped in for once. Now, we're going outside the Greek pantheon. It's a little Whoa. bit of a clue. Yeah, yeah, we're just, we're not even, we're, we're going out of the entire family. So, our guest today... Doug Olson is a former studio mate. Well, of sorts. We were never actually quite in the same building, but we were next door to each other. Wait, we were in the same building. Same we building. Were, I missed. He was the room that right next to us. I know. We were never in the quite in the same room. Oh, well, I should sure. have said. Look, I, th- I, I feel like anybody who was in that building, we all went through the same shit together, and so we're all pretty much roommates, as far as I'm concerned. Well, this is a reunion. And Doug has since made his way to the West Coast and become a superstar. We'll talk more about that later. But for now, he's back on the East Coast, hanging out in his dad's music shack in his backyard, just kind of chilling out, seeing what it's like to be in a place where there's actually seasons again. And he decides, you know what? I'm going to pay a visit to my old semi-studio mate, Riley Brown. He goes, he treks out to suburban New Jersey, to Riley's beautiful home, hanging out in Riley's studio. And then they hear in the backyard a sound like the galloping of horses. Mm. And you look out through either glass windows that look onto your backyard, Riley and Doug, and you just see a mist. You can't actually see what's happening. And then through the mist is a fiery rainbow. A fiery rainbow. Fiery rainbow. Yes. The red in particular is raging with all the colors of Muspelheim. That sounds Viking-ish. Oh, sounds this colorful. Yeah, this is super. <laughs> this is super. Sounds colorful. This is super Vikingish because then you realize that your backyard, instead of just be filled filled with like random toys of your children, Riley, it's filled with the Valkyrior. Oh, cool! Warrior maidens of Odin, the Lord oh. of Valhalla, and then 
stepping out of the gloom himself is an old man with one eye wearing a wide brimmed hat. And he says, Oh, and so, and so wait, what? Oh, I was just going to say, he's old and dying. So the Valkyrie's going to take him off to the underworld, right? No, 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 no. He, this old man. Well, see, here's the thing. You'll know who he is soon. Well, you should, you already know who he is anyway, but the I old man calls to you and goes, Hail to you, son of old. Oh, yeah, that's me. That's you. <laughs> and he goes, I would speak with the one named Douglas Einar Olson. That Riley shoves you out the door. <laughs> <laughs> I've, done, I've done this too many times, man. You take this one. <laughs> I'm getting my life preserver on. <laughs> you're both standing there in this like unearthly gloom in the backyard surrounded by like these shield maidens on horses there's like i said like a fiery rainbow bridge Bifrost, as it is called sitting right there and the man before you yes he is odin the lord of Valhalla, and he turns to you son of old and says your name einar it is derived from the einherjar the chosen slain who make their home in valhalla and so thus you are under my protection. Did you know that about your name, by the way? I knew it was son of Oli. Um, the Einar part? No, yeah. I didn't know that. That's, yeah, look that's that up. Some... Yeah. The Einherjar are the guys who like, you know, when they die, they go to Valhalla. They spend all their time drinking and partying and then uh, killing each other and then being reborn. So that's what you're named after. Sounds sounds like a good time. Explains a lot. <laughs> cool. <laughs> he goes, Another god has come to me and asked for me to choose two islands to strand you on, but such is not a fate worthy of one of the word of the chosen slain of Valhalla. And as he says that in the distance, you hear a crack of thunder. So instead, I will give you a choice of two fates. Two weird speak, as you know, he does the old English thing and stuff. Now, okay, yes. Now, customarily, there is like a visual component here where you get to choose between islands or something or dimensions, but Odin works in more subtle and mysterious ways than this. He's just going to kind of give you two hypothetical tours of these existences. There's not really any visual cues of what's going to happen to you. So, and Riley, you made the mistake of not dipping back in your studio because you were checking out the cleavage of the Valkyrior. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like, yeah, check that out. Yeah. <laughs> so when he sucks the two of you into this new existence, well, when he sucks in Douglas Einhar Olsen into it, you also go along for the ride, Riley. Riley, your last name, by the way, is thought to derive from the fact that you your, your ancestors probably wore a lot of brown. Probably. <laughs> That's literally what it says. I looked it up. I'm like, what? That sounds weird. That's Riley, the brown. Get some blue. Goes with everything. But anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Speaking of neither here nor there, for a few moments, Doug and Riley, you're not anywhere. And then suddenly, in the first of the two existences, you find yourself in a gleaming metropolis. It looks kind of Chicagoian or New Yorkian. It's kind of vague. It's a city. It's a modern city, but you really can't place any of the landmarks. But it's very, and it's, it's, when I say it's gleaming, it's very modern, but it's not like futuristic modern. It's not like the Jetsons or something. A lot of stainless steel, a lot of shiny glass. It's kind of like maybe New York downtown or something. I, I mean, when you called it a metropolis, was that a hint 
It might have been. <laughs> and then you kind of catch glimpse of yourself in some of the shiny glass that's just all around you. And you notice that you're both smartly attired in like kind of a tweed jacket and some bow ties. Yeah. Right. And you also notice around each of your wrists, it's kind of a large, cumbersome sort of watch. You look at it closely, like, is that a, is that a, it's not an Apple watch. What is that? And it's kind of like, a, it's like red and blue and yellow. And you're gonna say, like, do we do we have a like an old school uh, SLR camera around our necks? <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, you should have though. Yeah, that would have been a good move. But uh, you know, you you just have, you have kind of a modern camera, whatever it is that people use now. Because yeah, it turns out you are a cub reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper. You don't really know that yet though, because first thing you do is you're playing with this big watch that you see in the reflection, and you hit a button, and it seems to activate something. You see a flashing light, but you don't hear anything. Uh, I am going to clench my butt cheeks because last time I had a magic signal watch, <laughs> that was a problem. Wait, have I done this one before? <laughs> I, um, I don't. This, during the I mean, James Tynan one, we were a Jimmy Olsen type of character. God damn it! Is it the same one? Well, inspired by. Are Doug we in that same Olsen. city? I am an Olsen. You are an Olsen. <clears throat> So, well, here's the difference. Instead, this is indeed a signal watch for a superhuman being. But instead of being whatever it was in the James Tynion one. Um, that, that's is, back to episode like five or six or something like that. Yeah, that no was one true. remembers that. Also, yeah. you know what? That was Poseidon. This is Odin. He can that's be excused. True. He's the Lord of Valhalla. He has better things to do to listen to old episodes of Hypothetical Island. <laughs> With an earth-shaking crash, a superhuman figure lands next to you. His eyes are glowing. It is the superhero known as Major Laser. Not to be confused with the real word counterpart, Major Laser. This is just a guy who's kind of a cheap Superman knockoff who has laser eyes. Okay. Yep. That's oh, so cool. it's not the Diplo character. It's a different Major Laser. <laughs> yes. Just using okay. the name. We'll explore why I'm using that particular name later. Uh, and Doug has worked with him. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, for now, um, yeah, it's just a superhero with the uh, suspiciously similar name, Major Laser. Um, we'll we'll have so to call this the lawyers exists, at some point on this one. It's spelled differently. Okay. Yeah, M-A-Y-G-E-R-L-A-Y-Z-E-R. Major Laser. It's look, not totally not, different. Yeah, not, not the same at all. No, not he's from another planet. It's, it's distinct. Yeah. So in this universe you are in fact a jimmy olsen so now you said this was our fate so is this like in the future something we're gonna do no it's just so odin's whole thing is he's obsessed with fate he calls it weird and stuff like w-i-y-r-d uh it's like he's he's altering your existence okay future this is just you now this is your thing you're hopping into the existence of a cub reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper in a completely fictional universe where you are the best pal of the superhero major laser and as a result you are often getting involved in his wacky silver age style adventures (laughs) okay cool now the big difference here between the more familiar Jimmy Olsen and Superman dynamic here is that although you get involved in those wacky adventures where you might get turned into a giant top, like a turtle person, or you might grow the head of a lion, or you might become like some sort of weird, you know, I don't know. You go to the future, meet the Legion of Superheroes. Major Laser is a little bit more of like a Homelander type figure where uh, unlike Superman, who will do things like rub a magnet, I mean, a a piece of metal the same way. So it becomes a magnet and grab all the cars in the street with it, or, you know, use his freeze ray. 
this major laser just fucking annihilates people with his heat vision. <laughs> is, is he as much a narcissist uh, as uh, Homelander is? No, but he's more like a. Have you ever, remember those old websites like uh, Superman is a dick? Yeah, he's kind of like that. Like he's like oh. a slippery Superman where he's just he's he thinks he's being cool and he's maybe like a 1950s idea of like what a good person is, but he's a total asshole. And his sense of humor is just totally fucked up, and he just yeah. does bizarre cr- like cruel things to keep his secret identity. Yep, yep. He fucks with people's brains. He he definitely has performed laser surgery on their frontal lobes without their knowledge. He's done all kinds of stuff because he's obsessed with secret. You, of course, know his secret identity, but you're not going to let anybody know that. No, I'll get my but, face like, lasered off. Yeah, you, but like, and this is the thing. You are constantly against your will pulled into these adventures. He's always got your back, of course, but you have seen some fucking shit. <laughs> Do we have any questions so- about this world? Are we both Jimmy Olsen's? <laughs> in the instance where you both choose this universe, uh, we'll treat it like an Earth One, Earth Two scenario. You'll both be a Jimmy Olsen. You'll both get to keep your first name, so you'll be you'll be Doug Olsen, which won't be a big change. For you. <laughs> Riley will be Riley Olsen. You'll you'll both be having these kind of like wacky adventures. They will be separated by a dimensional void. Um, you will sometimes maybe team up in various crises of different earths and such. That'll be fine. Yeah. Am um, I like excited to see this guy or am I like, Oh my God, not again. Like this guy, like, leave me better, alone. Or fucking act excited. Cause he is. <laughs> you gotta act. Okay. You gotta act happy. Like major laser now. And he'll come down like, well, so actually you hit this button accidentally. Cause you're not, you're picking this up on the go. He's like, what can I help you with my little buddy? What are you going to say? um hey uh where's my house and he's like he kind of looks at you funny you get the feeling he's maybe using his x-ray vision to examine your brain maybe he even uses little heat vision to like cauterize off a few nodes you don't really know there like that's a strange question there pal you know you live with me and in my fortress of singularity (laughs) Oh, so we live, we're roommates. <laughs> he keeps you oh. as kind of like a weird, I don't want to say pet, but pet. <laughs> <laughs> now he is concerned by your memory loss and he thinks it might be the result of, of all of the x-rays problems. into his brain. Maybe he, no, he will never admit it's his fault. Oh, He's like, it's gotta be one of my enemies. Maybe um, my, uh, my enemy uh, Luna brain or um mex muther or, <laughs> or names i obviously did a bad job of coming up with mex muther mexican, mexican like, <laughs> i mean i'll buy it i'll buy it sure yeah. well you know we won't say that because those guys those guys are too good to burn through let's say he thinks it's his friend the twiddler he just fucking uses he vision he blows up the twiddler's whole house because he figures he's fucking with your brain I guess the Twiddler's supposed He's to be the prankster for the Toy Man. Yeah. So I don't know if that bothers you. This guy was probably a criminal of some sort, but he's dead now. <laughs> he, he flies you off to the Fortress of Singularity where he, it's filled with robots that look like him. And there's a giant key that only he could pick up to let you in. And there's all mementos of his wacky Silver Age adventures and charred bits of all his enemies laying about. Do I have an art studio there? Yeah, why not? Like a dark room, I guess. Yeah, the dark I'm a photographer. Room. Yeah, it's and you'll know, tell you what, because he is he views himself as like a good guy, it's even lead lined. 
Oh. He can't use his x-ray vision to go in there, but he totally sneaks in there anyway using super speed and shit because he doesn't trust anybody. He thinks <laughs> he's a god. Yeah, they usually what? do. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, and obviously because we follow him around with a camera, we have photographic evidence and some kind of system in place that in the event of our untimely demise, the photos will all be released out into the public and uh-huh. will be humiliated. Mm-hmm. So he has to keep us alive. We do have leverage. I think he keeps you alive just because he likes you. I feel like you'd fuck. Oh, him. sure. Yes. Uh, I think because we're so likable, but also the blackmail material. That's also important. Does he know about this blackmail material? He must figure. I mean, the you don't keep blackmail material on someone if you're not going to tell them about it because you're trying to. Have you ever read Miracle Man? No, I haven't. I feel like this is going to be a Miracle Man scenario where he destroys the entire metropolis because he's just a lunatic. But anyway. But he has to save me. <laughs> he can't let me die. It's supposed to be some bad photos because clearly this guy doesn't give a shit. Uh, oh, do, that's any, true. do we have any other questions about this? Is, is it a good place to throw parties? Well, the oh. Fortress of Singularity is not because it's located in the South Pole. But uh, the major metropolitan newspaper <laughs> you work out, which is called um, the Once a Day Globe, that is actually a place. You actually can throw some pretty wild parties there. You are dating you find yourself, I mean, I know you all have your own individual lives as yourself, Doug Olson and Riley Brown of our world, but in this world, you find yourself dating the younger sister of major lasers, gal pal. So you can stay at her place too. She's oh, got so it's like a, it's like a double dating kind of, it will go on double yeah, dates. And they <laughs> suck. He's always sneaking out of <laughs> his secret identity. You all fucking know. Cause the secret identity it's just that he takes off the glasses he wears when he's major laser. And you're like, <laughs> it's so fucking obvious. It's the same guy. But if you act <laughs> like it's not, he fucking annihilates everybody. Okay. All right. This is probably right. the most cursing I've ever done in an episode. Of- <laughs> this guy really gets you. All right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how intense laser he is. guys really get me all riled up. Uh-huh. All right. Is, is he, um, does he, does he like, cause like, you know, if he, you know, I'm curious if he's like going to DJ the party, but I guess it's not this kind of major laser. It's a different, no musical talent, this guy. He, he will DJ the party, but I mean, he will DJ the party about as well as like a, you know, middle-aged white guy from Kansas would. <laughs> okay. But I, I bet he could get, you know, some pretty good professional DJs to step in. Yeah. Under threat of coercion, like, uh, like, yeah. Fear of being like, you know, he's like Daft Punk is, you know, playing at my house at my house. Like he'll like fucking he'll make him show up. Right. And, right but this is know, pretty much Homelander. Like I'm living with Homelander is what it kind of He's definitely like. morphing more into Homelander as I go, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of scary. That's kind of scary. Yeah. But unless we're homies, if we're homies, then uh, I don't know. Your major laser okay. pal. Any other I'm questions about pal. this world? Not at the um, moment. No, I'm I I'm enjoying the potential of uh you know how much trouble i can get into but not actually have to deal with the consequences because i have this psychopath tough guy that's my best friend virtually unlimited amounts of trouble and no circumstances is he is he in is he into helping me make like films (laughs) yeah (laughs) not so much directly like he will help you out of any jam you get into if anyone gives you a hard time he will make them pay but he is like the Superman from Superman is a dick. He's going to be an asshole. Okay. Except got it. Major laser. It's kind of a lot, kind of a lot to handle. Got it. Yeah. He's like, you're, you're going to, you're going to be happy when like 
you're about to be like, you know, when mobsters are about to break in to shoot you, you're going to be happy you have your watch. When uh, a giant kaiju attacks the city, you're going to be happy he's around. You know, whenever something like that happens. But if like, it's like you hanging out trying to get something done, you're going to be kind of hoping that he's busy elsewhere because he's going to show up and want all the attention. Mm, that's true. Yeah. I know people like that. Yeah. <laughs> Narcissists like that. Are... And think of the people we're thinking of. now should we uh here should we visit the other weird the other fate that odin has decreed for you son of all uh yes all right so again you you momentarily find yourself back in riley's suburban new jersey backyard riley is discombobulated because you know a second ago he was trying to stare down the plate mail bosom of a valkyrie but now he's back he's whoa what happened and then the two of you are whisked away again before you can even blink. And you find yourself in what looks remarkably like the West Coast. Oh, cool. In fact, Doug, nice. using your knowledge of the West Coast, you would be like, I feel like I'm somewhere maybe on Rodeo Drive or something. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> and you're looking about, you're, you're both of you in this instance, again, say, you don't have to both choose this, but you're both going through this hypothetical tour simultaneously. So you're both looking around each other. And you, you kind of like, you're like, okay, there's right. D- Doug, this is your point of view. Like there's Riley and there's a second Riley and there's a second me. And you're realizing you've both been duplicated. Hmm. An identical okay. twin version of you, a Brown twin for Riley and Olsen twin. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. so in this different fate for you you will both have an identical twin now we've dealt with twins in this show before check our previous episode starring uh bobby timoney but this is and you know my general distrust of twins (laughs) i don't i distrust twins okay like like twins when you meet them in real life you mean like you just You like you guys, they're scheming. Yeah, you don't know it's even the same twin. <laughs> I see. You're, you're, no, they're, they're, they're just pretending to be more than one person. And so this is the situation you find yourself in. You're suddenly, you're living there in California. You're both, you're very well dressed, almost like you maybe have an interest in fashion or something now. But you suddenly have a twin sibling you didn't have before kind of smiles at you in a way that's a little inscrutable but you're like hmm, that's normally the smile i make when i'm up to some shit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so you probably think of the immortal words of dr hibbert from the simpsons how there's always an evil twin okay like, hmm. so you don't know so right here this is the thing can you know, i be the evil twin or we're not sure who's the evil twin you could very well be the evil twin only you know in your heart of hearts how you are Okay. It's funny how everybody always wants to be the evil twin. Yeah. Like, it's oh, true. yeah. <laughs> I know I would definitely be the evil twin. I wouldn't be. The, the guilt would destroy me, especially knowing that there was an, another person that was the same as me in all ways, except for they were less guilty about things like that. I would not be. Would you feel that. guilty because you weren't living up to your full potential as an evil person? Uh, well, now that you've put that on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So let me tell you about your existence here. So you do have the twin sibling and it's kind of a weird thing because they have a full life of memories of being with you and growing up with you that you don't have. 
Oh, that's kind okay. of weird. And here's what you piece together pretty quickly. The two of you used to be on a sitcom where you both shared the same role because you're identical. And then you parlayed that into a series of made for TV movies and you turned to some sort of fashion empire. I'm pretty sure one of you dated an actor who played the Joker, but I'm not sure who. And now you are kind which of Joker or which twin? <laughs> Didn't one of them date Heath Ledger? Could be. I don't know. They hung they hung out. <clears throat> okay. So they in your out. case, in your case, it was Cesar Romero. <laughs> one of you dated Cesar Romero the Joker from the 66 Batman show. Oh, how, fucking A. Awesome. How old was everybody in this situation when it happened? Upsettingly young for you, upsettingly <laughs> old for him. I don't even know if Cesar Romero made it to our lifetimes, but I think he did. I think he only died like 10 years ago, right? I have no in idea. this universe, Cesar Romero died in 94. Ooh, that's one 10 years ago. How old were you in 94, the two of you? Uh, 12? <laughs> 12. Yeah, I was 13. All right, it happened. <laughs> oh, no. Upsetting. <laughs> that is upsetting. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be hearing from Cesar Romero's estate because of this one. <laughs> this is a different universe, Cesar Romero's. It's a different guy. He spells his name uh, S E E Z E R Romero. <laughs> okay, good. Distinct. That, I think that covers us. Yeah, boy, these, these, these spellings really help me out here. So you are the head of your own kind of like over the hill media empire. Like you still are very fabulously wealthy here, but your fame is debilitating. Everybody knows you as one of the two kids that grew up in that show that everybody watched. So everywhere you go, people kind of like call you out. And everywhere you go, you are followed around by this disconcerting identical twin of yourself. Who, who was the one that dated Cesar Romero? Was it me or the twin? You don't know because you don't have the memories. All you okay. know is that one of you dated Cesar Romero. Okay. My my money's on the person with the repressed memories was probably the one that did it. <laughs> that's that's a good that's it's good thought. Yeah. <laughs> and you also don't know then is your twin evil? Are you evil? Mm. I mean, it's just weird in general because this is a person who is genetically identical to you, physically identical to you has a set of memories going back to birth with you. And for you, they are actually a stranger. Yeah, that is weird. We're in a world where you are surrounded by a debilitating bubble of fame where everybody knows you. You you are well off. So you don't really have to work. You get to live off those sitcom residuals and, you know, for whatever movies like, you know, uh, I should have come up with names for your twins, but I didn't. Doug, if you had a twin, what would their name be? Uh, Jojo. All right, Jojo and Doug's <laughs> Excellent Adventure. And Riley, what would yours be? Um, Barry Pate. Barry Pate? <laughs> it's not one of their names, Mary oh, Kate. Mary Kate. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a weird name. So, yeah, that's this Barry, world, though. basically. Do you have any other questions about this world? You know, uh, so I already have a brother that lives in LA. Like, is he there too? Or is that... Uh... He is, yeah, is he... He, he's your older brother, right? No, his younger brother. Mm, anyway, he's he plays uh he plays in the Marvel movies. He is the superhero, um <laughs> the red <laughs> red sorceress. <laughs> he's much well, better looking than you. He's really eclipsed you in fame. And people uh -huh. look at you as like a sadly, weirdly deflated you and Jojo as weirdly, sadly deflated versions 
of your actual real brother. Uh-huh. Yes. But we have a lot of money. You do have a lot of money. He has more money now, though. That's fine. He's got, um, that, he's got that Marvel Comics money. So here's the thing. I was like, me and my brother, we're kind of in like a family band. So if we have a third brother, then we can do some sweet three-part harmonies. Like, that's pretty great. Oh, like the Hanson brothers. Yeah. There was three Hansons, right? I think so. I think so, too. The I Hansons mean, I'm assuming played can, a part in our show. He can sing, right? I mean, if he's can, if he can sing the third part, like that's 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 a good that's a bonus. Jojo sings exactly like you do. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, where and where's our house? Like, we have a house somewhere. Like, what are we talking? Like Malibu or like yeah, Malibu? Uh, it's not as nice as your real brother's house. He's got them. All I know, but I can go over there. <laughs> well, you can't right now because he's mad at you both. Okay. You don't know what happened. Again, remember, you blocked out your memory. Maybe it has something to do with Susan Romero. <laughs> uh-huh. Or JoJo knows something that I don't, or whatever. Yeah, maybe JoJo's framing for crimes you don't even know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. JoJo mm-hmm. is possibly nefarious. But you know what? Okay. Doug is possibly nefarious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that that kind of like laid back. I mean, LA is such a laid back, you know. Like, you if you're if you've got all the money and you don't have to do anything, like that's I'm trying that's to I'm bad. trying to see the downside here. You got I mean, the there's a Caesar Romero. It's a little rundown because you know your money's passed and stuff, but and it's filled with like uh, like samples from your fashion line, Doug and JoJo's okay. clothes, and um, and and like you know, there's definitely some material related to the death of Caesar Romero that shouldn't get out. That's there. Um, do the other members of the family remember the twin also yes okay like so i'm the only one or doug we are the only ones that don't remember yep hmm. and riley i know you have you have riley you have two brothers right yeah two younger brothers so one plays one plays the marvel superhero the uh, red witch and uh, i said red sorcerer and the other one plays the uh, ironically because they're not twins plays the twin brother twin sister of the red sorcerer and <laughs> fast silver <laughs> fast metal fast metal yeah that's it. um interesting but i still get money that's you still get money uh, that's kind of that sounds well, pretty sweet here's, uh, here's the the short follow <laughs> right you got the money you don't need yeah. money. but it's hard for you to do anything else anything else because everywhere you go people recognize you and you were constantly accompanied by your twin why am i constantly accompanied by this other person why can't i just make a break for it don't know why it's just the way it is and the only person who really shares what it's like to be this level of fame this person who grew up on like the tvs of america elijah wood is your your twin (laughs) is elijah wood baby (laughs) is your twin the two of you are like linked everywhere your bedrooms you actually sleep in a big double bed together (laughs) it's weird you dress the same every day Uh, yeah why are we doing that no wonder i repressed all you guys aren't referring to you guys didn't see the episode of rick and morty that just aired last week that i worked that i directed because it's no no related to this (laughs) nice no how did did rick and morty solve, solve this problem um much death i imagine well, no, no. I mean, uh, I don't know how caught up you guys are, but like, you know, the, you know, who Space Beth is? Yep. You know, Space Beth and Beth, they're clones of each other. Yeah. Or we're not sure who the real clone is. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you didn't see the latest episode. No. no. 
Oh, you, you okay. find out who the real clone is. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Will you give uh, us a, a podcast exclusive and tell us who's the real one? I'm well, betting. Came out. The show's already out. He's just cruel. No, no. I mean, I don't. Us. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, it's a very. It's an exploration of. Um, uh i guess clone cest <laughs> clone cest okay nice. it, that's a good did you listen to our podcast from last week which actually isn't even out yet because <laughs> tim Seeley. I, no maybe in one of these parallel dimensions i heard it but no yeah yes previous guest tim Seeley, in the episode that uh aired last week and also was an episode 22 it was a interdimensional exploration of duplicates where he met the female version of him called Tim Alina, and uh, he literally derailed the first episode just by immediately wanting to have sex with himself. Uh-huh. So much so that we had to have the second episode in order to wrap up the storyline because mm-hmm. all he wants to do is, you know, like lady version of me, enough said. <laughs> Got it. There, there are, but we, we did explore the, uh, the fascinating uh, moral implications of, you know, is it incest if you're, because you're technically not, siblings and yet you are because you don't have different parent you know it's very it was very and we rolled dice to determine how deformed their child would be that's right (laughs) yeah 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 no it's it's just a question it's a question so (laughs) as someone who has certainly grappled with this question you are probably better equipped than most doug to deal with this situation so let me just pose this to you in the most simplified of terms do you want to be a jimmy olsen stand-in on a world where you're the best pal of a Homelander slash Superman is a dick? Or do you want to be an Olsen twin on another world where you're an over-the-hill celebrity who has enough money to get by comfortably for the rest of their life, but is constantly accompanied in some sort of weird state by your twin who you don't remember having? (laughs) And you're living in the shadow of your more successful Marvel superhero portraying sibling or siblings. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the latter. I mean, just because it's just like I'm already kind of a bit of a hermit and it doesn't wouldn't change much. I just have a lot more money and more people to do music with in my family. So. Yeah. <laughs> the right know. side of it, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like also I'm just kind of maybe, uh, you know, unless I'm like creatively disabled, I feel like that's a great environment for me to be like, cool. I want to I want to I want to I want a little like if, I, if people are just going to like bother me all the time when I go out I would probably just not go out and then um you know create like a pretty cool incubation space where I'm like okay let's make some new fashion or like let's kind of you know let's figure out what the next thing is you know let's 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 lift it up a bit you know you're possibly evil twin 24 7 in an incubation yeah well yeah the the possibly the the possibly evil stuff is that just kind of a strange paranoia or is there evidence that one of you is evil and you just can't remember which one there's definitely evidence one of you is evil, like um, like like something happened to Caesar Romero. <laughs> okay, but is it like is it like cool fun evil or is it like someone's gonna get killed evil? Well, it sounds like someone's already dead. Yeah, somebody's already dead. Caesar Romero, spelled S E E Z E R Romero. Different. <laughs> yeah, <now>. lawyers <laughs> remember that. He played the Joker, but it was actually a guy named Joey J O E space K E R R Joker. <laughs> Uh, dodge that bullet. Uh, people have definitely had a tendency to turn up dead in the wake of the Olsen twins. And I'm talking about really? it. Wait, in the real life? Nah, probably not. I mean, oh, he, the, the, the Doug Olsen twins. I mean, Heath Ledger, right? Heath Ledger turned up dead. Yeah, but 
famous people always doing drugs till they die. So that's not. It was literally something where, like, like maybe I should cut this part out. But I'm pretty sure there was a thing where one of the Olsons was dating him, and there was some, there was, was maybe involved with the drugs that got him killed. I don't, I, I didn't think they were dating i thought like he just got back from her her party or something like they were friends or something or maybe oh was she was one of the twins the ones that like discovered the body though i think so yeah yeah i don't remember so they're 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 intertwined in some way with the yeah. death all right um, I'll say i don't, this. I, don't... I, I typed in heath ledger death olsen and apparently um there was an article that comes right up mary kate olsen's connection to heath ledger death so she was involved in some way Right. But we don't know how. And of course, this is all spurious and hearsay. And please don't come after us, real Olsen lawyers. <laughs> so we're, of course, talking about Doug and Jojo Olsen. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Doug huh. and Jojo Olsen doing the thing. Now, <laughs> all right. Everybody sees them. They look the same. Um, and, and are there more dead bodies or is it just you said, uh, it, like, you said it happens frequently? No, not frequently, but I would say over the, you have been famous for about 40 years. Uh, Cesar Romero was definitely the first, but like Burgess Meredith definitely died. Uh, Adam West. Um, <laughs> Wait, it's all the oh, 60s. Man. Uh, Eartha Kid. That movie's great, by the way. I love that movie. Yeah, <clears throat> it's fantastic. So um, there have been deaths, but I wouldn't say it's free. It's definitely not like a serial killer situation. It's well, like you don't remember, right? So it's. Well, I'm saying it's not a serial killer situation in that like it doesn't seem like it's something that's like somebody killing for sexual gratification on a regular basis. Just that there is a uh, there's a slight pallor of like hmm hanging over you, like some chapaquitic type stuff where like every once in a while something happens, everyone's like, That's a little weird. Right. Yeah. Mystery. Yeah, mystery. A foul yeah. miasma. All right. Yeah, I like. I think in this second dimension sounds great. Like you know, I mean, it's it's kind of <laughs> sealing the deal for you. You're like, yeah, it's even better. To, <laughs> yeah. to, to me, there there's the two existences are provide different types of like chronic stress. You know, like on and the one, scary. it seems like rather mundane, a little paranoid, and a little pissy. It's like ugh, that dead person. I'm sure that was my fucking brother. You know, like. But also, like, or was it me? Because I don't remember. Yeah. You know, why <laughs> Why don't I remember anything? That's weird. But that was probably my fucking brother's fault, too. You know? Oh, possibly. Who I live with. And that's kind of Constantly. sounds like a toxic existence. Whereas in the major laser world, you know, you have to deal with hanging out with this narcissist all the time, which is always a headache. But narcissists can be fun sometimes, you know, when they're on your side. Uh, like, he's on your side. You could, we could, and you know, there's, I know like, too many of those. <laughs> <laughs> so what's one more? And this one has superpowers. So we can really uh, stir up some shit. And, I feel like um, it's been a while since we had a split decision on this show. It has. Yeah. So I, I'm going with Major uh, Laser, I think. So you're, going be, okay. you're going to be Riley Olsen, Major Laser's pal. Yep, that's right. And Doug and Jojo Olsen are going to be possibly murdering people at a slow rate. But living it up in Malibu, doing making fashion. recording recording albums. <clears throat> Why not? Yeah. All right. Now comes the part customary where I choose, and I literally have no idea what I'm going to choose here. Because <laughs> I can picture, you know, when we all pictured like the like the narcissistic jerk, 
I was picturing the various narcissistic jerks I've known, and that is insufferable to be near. Also, I feel like I'm insufferable to be near. <laughs> if I'm having to do a of myself all the time, all the time, that might suck really hard. And if one of us is evil, I'm going to say I'm probably the evil. You know what? I'm going to go with I will be an Olsen. All right. <laughs> yeah, because I'm going to assume the O'Connor twins. If if I am, it's yeah, it's 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 Connor and George Olsen. We'll say if there is going to be an evil twin, I'm going to fucking claim that evil twin is myself. And if I'm the one who's doing these mysterious disappearances. I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> Wait, well, so that's want... the twin universe. You're in the twin universe? I'm going to do twin universe. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just going to have some wild stories about turning into Godzilla's or like getting shrunk <laughs> down and, you know, stuffed in someone's pocket or whatever. Like I, that, that, sounds, that sounds, that does sound fun to me. You know, it's definitely yeah. going to happen at some point. You're going to get his powers because that happens pretty frequently. Yeah. And then you fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, you've been listening to the Hypothetical Island Podcast. Our guest today is our old studio mate, Douglas Einer Olsen. Doug, could you please give the people listening a brief intro to who you are and what you do? Yes, I can. Um... I, uh, my name is Doug and I am a animation director currently working in TV and film out in Los Angeles. Um, got some stuff coming out right now, uh, Rick and Morty. I was a director on season six. So I have two episodes that are dropping and uh, I've worked on a number of other projects, including the Sonic the Hedgehog films, nice. um, Major Laser, which uh, came up earlier. Uh, but totally spelled differently, legally individual, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Yeah, a few smaller projects, like uh, did a music video for Lil Dicky with Snoop Dogg uh, a long time ago, which some people like. And uh, yeah, on and on and on. Awesome, dude. Yeah, um, so when you were here on the East Coast as a member of our Brooklyn studios, you were not an animation guy. No, no. that was to you? That was the critical juncture, actually. The studio <laughs> of uh, being in Drawbridge was what got me my break. Really? Uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks to the grace of uh, Mike Cavallaro, who I know we all know and love. But um, yeah, Pat's he was my Mike Cavallaro. Yeah, he was my he was my gateway person. Uh, forever grateful to him. Thank you, Mike. Um, but yeah, he was the one that knew the uh, Chris McCulloch, who's the creator of Venture Brothers. Um, yeah. They were friendly through his time at MTV, and also I guess Mike was working part time at that comic book shop in Park Slope. Um, this was when he was working at uh, Bergen Street Comics, the late great yes. comic store. Best comic store yes. in New York and no longer exists, unfortunately. Yes, sadly. And um, yeah, Chris would go in there and buy comics. And, and um, him and Mike were talking about how they were staffing up for season five. And Mike thought of me and um, just kind of linked us up. And and uh, yeah, it was initially, um, I was trying to storyboard at the time, um, but I didn't really have the portfolio for it. And Mike was looking at my work and saw some of my some some landscape drawings I had done while living in Italy. And um, he was like, these feel like backgrounds. Like, would you be interested in trying out for the background position? And I said, I'll do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so. well, that's it. Because Mike himself, Mike Cavallaro, again, future, I mean, past guest, he did animation backgrounds. Uh, he worked on uh, Ki- Operation Kids Next Door and Batman Brave and the Bold. and Yeah, Daria. Or no, Daria. not Daria. Yeah, da- maybe Daria. Celebrity Deathmatch. 
Yeah, um, Jason Little worked on Daria. I don't. Did Mike? I didn't. He Mike Mike may have been uh, either in the studio that, like next door. I, I know he worked on Deathmatch. Yeah, and uh, I think he was doing boards for them. He did all sorts of stuff. I mean, um, but yeah, definitely was like a eye opening kind of. It was great to, you know, my my um my <laughs> a little backstory for that whole experience. Like I and and much love to all the people in this studio. Like, cause, but people. but when I when I first got there, I was I was looking for a studio space. I found it through Robin Ha, who was um, my classmate back at RISD. And, um, you know, she I brought it in. I'm like, oh, man, all these fucking old guys in here. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Wait a minute. I, I, no, no, I mean, granted, like and and because like I was, you know, from like I was like a hipster in Bushwick before that. And I was used to just, Hadn't you, like, just come from like living in Amsterdam or something like that uh yes yeah yes that's like a <laughs> you were, you were like a, a wandering artist like and yeah. also like crazy like wandering artist type stuff. i was yes i've been doing a lot i've been up to that point doing a lot of just kind of like walkabouty kind of you know i i had gone to school for illustration but i had totally rejected it after living abroad my senior year they had like a rome program that i just kind of like completely derailed me which in the big picture was a good thing, but in the small picture was not a good thing. And so, <laughs> wait, what did it um, derail you into? <laughs> uh, I became a German performance artist. <laughs> what? Oh, come on. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, look up Wondercraft House on uh, YouTube, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But uh, that's all I'm going to say. Well, we can go into that if you want. But um, yes. yeah, no, I I was like, I just kind of turned my back hard on illustration and like commercial art. Like, I think, I think I was just tired of kind of like funneling my creative energy into like a specific, like, Oh, I'm going to do editorial illustration or just whatever. Like I just sure. really, I just, for some reason was like, it was such a deactivation of my creative juices to do anything like that. And I just, to me, it was like, do anything else. And, and I, um, you know, ended up, I moved back abroad to Berlin actually with um, a couple of guys. One was like a composer. And the other one was a video artist. And it just totally was like, for me, it was just like, fuck this. I'll just do whatever I want. So I started doing like performance, installation, sculpture. I was doing all sorts of video art, um, music, uh, which is something I'd never really like was more of a hobby um, and still is. Anyway, but, you know, I was still always a drawer. Yeah. So I was still like drawing all through all that period and uh, made a lot of art. And I don't know. I mean, there was like just a good like I had my Bushwick period i was living in a storefront um in in bushwick uh doing all sorts of fun things um and uh but yeah still freelancing trying to kind of make sense of like what was i going to do and um you know fast forward a few years and ended up in drawbridge studio met mike and he was looking Surrounded at my work and, people yeah well i i well that was Wait, the thing is they all to be fair in, drawbridge was quite a bit older than Riley. They were older. What, what, at that, yeah, like, yeah. Was Robin in that room or was she in our room? He was in my room. We were the okay. same age. I mean, everyone was like 10 to 15. You know, I don't know how old they Listen, well, Simon, Tim, Mike, I know you guys may hear this. I love you guys. It's not <laughs> basically what I'm trying to say is they all turned into these wonderful mentors for me. Like, I just realized how much I needed like somebody that was like people that were like a little more seasoned. And yeah. sort of like would sort of just it was such a such a blessing to kind of be um, surrounded by these guys that were like, you know, just had a little more experience than me and 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 really kind of helped sort of guide me towards a place where it's like, well, if you really want to survive, like do this. And, 
And uh, yeah, through Mike, it's how I, Mike, Mike was the person that introduced me to the folks over Adventure Brothers. And uh, that's how I got hired on my first gig in animation. But oh. I mean, that was like between that and school, like that happened when I was like 29 or something like that. So there was a good, good seven, eight years of just wandering. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I did a lot of fun, weird stuff. But so during that Brooklyn period, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was, it was a very experimental time. We could say that. I mean, it was, it was, um, I, I think it was just one of these things where I was going wherever my creative spirit sort of led me. And, right. and um, I think in the macro, like in the big picture, like a lot of my peers, like who are, I'm, I'm very blessed to be around so many talented people in the animation industry, but I think a lot of them just kind of like graduated and went straight into the industry. Yeah. And I'm really glad I spent that time kind of like exploring the, 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 the edges of my creative, just whatever, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm going to learn how to animate. I'm going to learn how to do editing. Now I'm going to learn how to do sculpture. You know, it, yeah. it sort of really, you, I mean, you got a chance to really, like you said, explore, like doing different things to live a little bit instead of just being yeah. into the, to the deadline. Oh my God. So yes. Long. Yeah. Now that's where I'm at now. Um, but. But also there was there was something about you that I always thought was really like fearless, sort of like I remember pretty quickly after that first Venture Brothers gig, you were like a director for Axe Cop or something. And like it, this was like just I looking back, I feel like it was just a few months. I don't maybe it was a year, but maybe not even that long. And you were like, I was like, wait, how? because I've never actually worked in animation other than maybe a couple of character designs that have never been used for anything. But like it was, I was just like, wait, you can just go from drawing backgrounds one week to then you're doing storyboards. Now you're just the director. And I was like, oh wait, and the director pretty much just draws the whole cartoon. Cause you, you're, you know, storyboards or directing or whatever it was you were doing was essentially just drawing the whole cartoon, animating like pretty much the whole thing. It was, I was just like, wait, there's just one guy that does all this shit and you just kind of strolled up and like from your German performance days and now this is what you're doing. <laughs> and I, it kind of blew me away because I, for myself, I never would have been able to do that just because I would have found it too daunting. Like, wait a minute, like how am I taking all this responsibility on all, all at once? But you just dove right in. I, yeah, that was a unique circumstance. Um, it was because that was, that was for ADHD, which was like a Fox kind of adult swim competitor that they were right. trying to sort of construct. And it was sort of like a fly by the seat of its pants studio. So it was just one of those things where like, yes, it was being backed by Fox. So there was enough money and to, to kind of like license these interesting properties like Axe Cop. Yeah. But it was also like not union. Um, so like a talent like me, who was kind of like a little bit green and like, not really, like I had, I had the goods, so to speak, to kind of like do the work, but like, it was sort of like, oh, we'll just dump all this work on you now. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, and, and it certainly was like, you know, I was on Venture Brothers as a background person for a good, you know, eight months. Um, and then sort of elbowed my way onto the board's team, like as a revisionist. Um, and then after that was when X cop happened because of, you know, just, they were sort of poaching um as as happens in animation they were taking artists from venture brothers to do work on x cop and uh, chris fisher who was one of the background painters recommended me over there but um yeah yeah i don't know i mean it was just kind of like i was very hungry and eager and studios kind of recognize that and will take advantage of it yeah. <laughs> so, um 
but yeah yeah that was comics that you're like i don't want to touch that shit with the 10 foot pole oh yeah yeah no i i i had a lot of um comics was the thing in college like i went to school with like paul rivera reed johnson or kikuo johnson who does like a lot of stuff for the new yorker and they were always very inspiring guys to um be around but I, for some reason that was just like making a comic to me like it was like you put you put all this time into this thing i don't know and and it just there was so time consuming then here i go into animation which is equally as time consuming and like you know, <laughs> it's like you can't win so <laughs> um yeah no the only comic book work i ever did was i had one uh, you know you guys know spx yeah small press expo yeah i i sub- I submitted to one SPX and I got in in I think 2003. So long, long time ago when I was in college, I, I have one. That's my only published comic book piece. I know you guys mostly have comic book folks on here. Well, uh, um, yeah, but we've you're not the first animation guy, certainly. And oh we've yeah, had, we've had a bunch of yeah, we've you know a lot of comic book people for sure, but a lot of animation guys, some toy designers, and a bunch of interesting cool. creative people. Yeah, man. But you've had some really, you've worked on some awesome project, and I yeah, I just. I was always kind of impressed with how quickly I felt like you rose to the top. So, so wait, did, did the, like the union job, non-union job thing, did that hold you back at all? Like what, like, were you after you were director for Axe Cop, were they kind of like, Oh, you're not in the union. So we can't give you other gigs. Or was it like, because you weren't in the union, you could become a director. And then you were able to like get in the union at a higher position or something. Yeah. Sort of the latter. Um, I think basically it was sort of like because we weren't a union, I was a guy that was capable of doing that kind of like director level work. But I was like, I was just happy to be there. Like I didn't like it. Like they they were able to get me on a budget basically because I was not, you know, because it wasn't a lot of a lot of new studios will try and like go as long as possible without go. Like eventually the union sort of susses out like, okay, you guys have a hit show here. You need to go union. And then everyone's wages go up, you know? Okay. So yeah. like before they go union, like if they're, if they're like the animation guild, like just, it's, it's a pretty common thing. Like maybe a year, maybe two years, like a studio or a production might last as non-union, but eventually the union's going to find out about it. And it's a good thing. You know, right. you want to yeah. go union. Usually totally. there'll be like a few mole. I don't know. Uh, like Rick and Morty wasn't union for the first season. Um, and then the, in the middle of the second season, like the union had kind of like infiltrated and like over the weekend, like, insisted <laughs> and like otherwise it was like production was going to stop this was before i was on the show but um uh yeah so yeah i mean so adhd which was the the studio that um it lasted for about four years i think and they did they did axe cop they did major laser they did goal in the insatiable which was a show that i also did yeah. some directing work on um you know like i just uh-huh. they were very I think it was like they realized they like it was one of these places where it was giving a lot of like fresh talent and a chance to kind yeah. of like break in. It was it was a it was a gateway studio for a lot of people that are now like doing awesome stuff in the industry. Um, people have like horror stories about it because it was kind of like a kooky place to work. Um, but honestly, they treated me pretty well. Like, I think they just wanted like, you know, they, they could see that I was delivering a good product and, and they did what they could to keep me happy. Um, they did kind of burn me out. Like, I think it was one of these things where I was like new to the game and very eager to show what I got. And yeah. they took advantage of that. Um, yeah. And so I always kind of warn younger artists, like, don't give them every single slice of the pie. Like, make sure you keep some, keep a good quarter of the pie for yourself. Right. <laughs> so, so you have some juice when you get home to like, you know, enjoy yourself, make some art for yourself, have fun with people. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, 
I, I tend to when I'm when I'm committed to a project, I can work very, very hard. And and that's to you guys probably know what I mean. It's just it's yeah. just you just really burn yourself. Absolutely. And it's burnout's tough, man. And, and it's real. Like it can take a years to get back. Oh, yeah. Know, after you've really yeah. like, done that for too yeah. long. Yeah, when I left ADHD, it was a good nine months, I think, before I could like feel like I was enjoying drawing again, which was scary for a little bit. But, you know, it did come back, which was good. So what was so you clearly it sounds like you didn't really have designs on animation until you kind of found this job. You very quickly ascended through operating a little bit outside the system, like you said, outside of the um, like like, you know, union system. But then you got unionized. What was the path that took you from working on something like Major Laser and stuff to uh, Rick and Morty? Like, because you've like, been you've done like a kind of stunning amount of work. I feel yeah. Well, and like Sonic what? the Hedgehog, which is like this major. Wait, you were involved with Sonic the Hedgehog pre-design, weren't pre-redesign, right? Oh yes, I can I can tell you some some stories. Um, That's what I want to hear. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, the um, it all kind of it's it's somewhat linear. Like, uh, you know, did the Venture Brothers like so? It all started at Drawbridge. Mike got me the job on Venture, and then um, you know, that led to Axe Cop, and and then um, Golan the Insatiable was another show that I mentioned that um. You know, like like ADHD was supposed to be like an incubator for what was going to kind of like try and sort of supplant the Seth MacFarlane empire. Because at the time it was like Family Guy, Cleveland Show, American Dad. Yeah. And, and those were all I think they wanted to sort of have some stuff to develop internally. So um, Axe Cop, you know, these shows were sort of like we're going to do 11 minute versions of these shows. And then maybe if one of them really looks good to the executives, we'll develop it into a half hour. So um, Golan the Insatiable, which was created by Josh Miller, um, a buddy of mine, like um, they and Pat Casey, sorry, Pat. And like uh, the they developed this show, um, which I think it started on like, I think the something awful forum or something like like a lot of this stuff was like mined from the Internet. Like it's like like, you know, Axcop, obviously. Yeah. And um, they just liked my take on, um, you know, when I, I did, I did an 11 minute episode of Golan the Insatiable. They really liked, I just did the boards for it, um, sort of technically directed it. Cause it was like just one board artist. So it's like, you're the one that's in charge of what the boards are going to look like. And then, um, when they went to half hour, they were like, we want you to be one of the directors on it. And it was supposed to be me and another guy, actually. Um, I won't mention his name, but, um, he kind of had like a bit of a, he, 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 he got himself fired. And, um, nice. so it was supposed to be <laughs> six episodes three each i ended up doing all six episodes which was an absolute fucking nightmare like that, i don't know what the, the hell they were. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah like they should have been like you can't do all six. like you got that like saying this now it's like fucking insane that i did that like yeah. and like the, so the half hour i directed all of them but like by the third one you have like stuff going into animation you have like multiple stages of the pipeline cascading and then you're starting it you're kicking off a new episode and your board artists are all over the place and oof anyway <laughs> i um worked very very hard for um that show and so the writers were these guys um matt silverstein dave jesser who were who were pre-established they did um what's that show drawn together which okay. is that comedy yeah. central show I remember yeah that. and um yeah yeah they're great they're really funny and and josh um the guy that i mentioned earlier who created the show they just all really appreciated how much i was like bringing bringing you know my talents to the table and then um you know, Golan ended up, we had some change up in leadership at Fox, which always seems to happen. And and it was going to get, it wasn't going to go. It was like, we made the six episodes, but they weren't going to go to series with it. And so it was sort of like, well, what do you guys, what do you want to do next is sort of what they asked me. Like, do you have something you want to pitch? And I'm like, well, actually this show Rick and Morty's really kind of got my attention. It was um, 
I think I had just sort of discovered it. The new, the first season was out. The second season was airing. So it was still yeah. fairly new. And like the first two seasons, three seasons, I think are really like, I, I don't want to air too much dirty laundry for Rick and Morty, or maybe I do, but um, <laughs> you know, like those, those were, those were the seasons that I really like was like, that's when I fell in love with the show. And um, yeah. they just happened to be friendly with this guy, Mike Mendel, who is, it's, this is all like Hollywood networking shit, but like they just yeah. knew Mike Mendel, who's like legendary. He produced a lot of early Simpsons stuff. Um, oh, just yeah. kind of this seen his name on, on that. Yeah. Great guy. Um, and so he he was uh, producing Rick and Morty and they're like, we know Mike will put in a name, we'll put you, we'll recommend you. And so I think they were recommending me, but like he wasn't getting back to them. And then they they saw him at a Trader Joe's or like Matt, Matt <laughs> saw him at a Trader Joe's in Silver Lake or something like that. And was like, you've got to check out Doug's stuff. Like he really made a point. <laughs> and so I, I, says, I I'm just I, grocery I, shopping, I, dude. Yeah, I, I, I got an email from him the next day and, and, and um, they, they sent me a test and um, and and lo and behold, I, you know, did well enough on the test that I got hired on the third season. And uh, yeah, started off as a board artist that was back in like 2016 on season three. My, my first episode was Pickle Rick, um, which people may have seen. <laughs> and uh, then, yeah, so then I was on I was on um, Rick and Morty then from then on until very recently, actually, I've actually parted ways with the production as of last year. So oh, um, after cute. four seasons and yeah, yeah. Well, I can, of... I can, I can tell the, the bookends of it, but um, yeah, but that's a lot but, of time yeah. to put on that show. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Four seasons directed three episodes. Uh, one just aired the other night. Um, and then I've got another one airing on October 2nd, which will be my last one. And then, uh, but you... yeah, I mean, I, I, I've earned my merit badges there. It's, it's, it's time the... to, <laughs> The fans for that show are famously insane. It, have you had to deal with them? Or not deal Sonic with them, fans. but have you had a chance to bask in their glory? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twitter's an interesting place um, for me because like, I, I sort of sit between the, 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 the Rick and Morty fandom and the Sonic fandom. Oh, like oh, I interesting. Because kind of, I imagine the those Sonic are different fans, people. They're different, but boy, were they upset about that design um the original so, okay, so, which to be clear you had nothing to do with the design correct you just i yes i well what i had to do with this i was warning them <laughs> i was like you, you guys are wait, wait, can we back up in the can, we, mine? can we back up for a second and just explain to the listeners what okay so when the sonic the hedgehog movie first came out if you guys don't remember the live action the live action sonic the hedgehog movie um the original design and you've got to go if you if you don't remember it and you haven't seen it, you've got to go look it up. The original design for Sonic the Hedgehog. Original, original trailer. For the original <laughs> trailer was something special. Disc- <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like, a, it, looked, it looked like a guy in a suit, kind of, but it was CG animated. They were it very- didn't, cons- It didn't look like the cartoons and the- And I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in quickly. If I'm sure you both are aware of this, but for listeners- there is a show on Disney Plus, a movie, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Have you both yeah. seen this? I haven't seen it. I, I, really heard, want I have not seen it, but I've heard, I've heard a lot about Sonic, it. He's called Please Make Your Role. And it's there's a great <laughs> recurring bit. Whenever he talks to people, they become transfixed looking at his weirdly human mouth. <laughs> like, <laughs> mouth yeah. It goes into like slow this. motion as like you'll look yeah. at the chip and like, oh, this mouth is talking. Okay. Okay. So like now, that. Doug you were in the studio when they were designing this look and you were telling them, wait a minute. <laughs> like I yeah. keep vomiting as I draw boards. What's going they, on? 
They had, or let, let, I'll just, just linking to what I was previously saying. So um, I, I, they, they, I met with Jeff Fowler, who is the director who, um, so the guys that wrote Sonic were, were Josh Miller and Pat Casey, who were the guys that also created Golem the Insatiable. Okay. And so it was just my good fortune that like they, um, you know, were, they wrote the Sonic movie and Jeff was looking for board people and they remembered me and they were like, oh, Doug is a great board artist. You got to, you know, get him involved. And, um, you know, then maybe he'd like, he worked on Pickle Rick. And I think that's what sort of like peaked, peaked Jeff's ears. And so, you know, he met with me and showed me the Sonic design. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was sort of like, not so sure about it. Like, yeah. I was like, oh man, like, what, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> and, and what and what what were they were they like? Isn't this awesome? Or were they like? Well, I, I think the concern was that like they they just knew it was so. First of all, the movie had to be made on a budget because like you know it was sort of a not you know they didn't know it was going to be a hit and like um it was going to be a lot of live action CG hybrid and so I think they were concerned about a character that looked too cartoony being alongside a human character. So they were like, oh, we're going to like, you know, go more of a rocket raccoon look, you know, and make him look more realistic. And I was sort of like, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, yeah. it's one of the looks like. greatest designs. You know, it's like you you think about some of the, like you got Mickey Mouse, you've got Bugs Bunny, you've got Sonic. Like he's a great design. His design yeah. is awesome. Don't fuck with the design. And that's what they were doing. They were fucking and with the design. And they totally, including a, a bizarrely realistic. Mouth. No, no gloves. No, no, oh, no, no shoes. Like um, I just sort of want, I was like weird, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, I was like, I knew I was going to take it no matter what, because I was like, this is a feature. Like I've never worked on a movie before and right. I will definitely work on this, even if it's crazy. I mean, it ended up working out, but, um, yeah. And, and the design actually got worse. Like it was weird. Cause like, you know, you still had artists it, like, cause the, the design team was still kind of doing its thing. And, was it one of those um, things where it's like, you know, there's something wrong and every time you try to fix it, it just kind of gets more wrong. Yeah. Yeah, there were just more, like I would see like because it was about I worked on that movie. It was like about six months uh, that I boarded on it. And like every once in a while, I would like be privy to see where the design was at. And it was just like getting worse. And it was because I have I have like a rotation like I have an older ver I actually have I, I can't show you guys. I mean, it doesn't matter. This is a podcast um, <laughs> on my phone. I have like a like a turnaround. It's like the 3D model just kind of rotating. So occasionally I'll like when this comes up, I'll show it to people and it doesn't look so bad. It really doesn't. And then and then I just think like it just kept on getting because they were just trying to find some kind of sweet spot where it's like, yeah, it's still Sonic, but it's real. And like, you know, yeah. then it just oh. ended up where it ended up. Oh. But kudos to Jeff. Jeff. Jeff did this amazing thing that was kind of, um, you know, because there was all that blowback and he right. tweeted out. He I, it's from my understanding is he tweeted out without consulting Paramount that they were going to change it. <laughs> Oh really? He just, oh, that's yeah. A, he that's he a move. yeah. He just he just went rogue and announced that this was going to happen, and and then everything else had to kind of fall into place after the fact. But I mean, it created a great meta narrative for the film, which I think really worked in our favor. And it, uh, you know, it brought a lot of like extra attention to the show, to the movie that yeah. wasn't just like hey, yeah, we got another movie coming out. It was like, is this the right thing to do? Should they give in to? what the fans on Twitter say, or should they stick to their guns? And yeah, know. yeah. Well, it earned us a lot of love. In the end, it turns out it looks great. Like it, the movie yeah. really looks cool. And the redesign was fantastic. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just realized they, they, they brought in, um, I don't know if you guys know Tyson Hess. He's the um, kind of the ambassador of Sonic in the 
I know he did a lot. I think he did some work on the comics and okay. um, I'm working with him right now. So I should know more, but like he, he, um, you know, he was brought on as a consultant to kind of like get the character designs under control. And I, my, my big under, I know the movie was trying, has been tried to, they've been trying to make a movie for like, since like the nineties, I think like oh, wow. a long time. And, and then I think the guy that created, I, this is per, per a lot of, um, just rumor, I guess. I can't really remember the exact story, but I think the guy that created Sonic was kind of like on his deathbed or something like that. Oh. Like we've got to get this movie made. <laughs> right. So I think right. were, I know the one thing that they like really fought hard for is because like I think OG Sonic has like the mono eye. Yeah. Where it's like the the brow does not connect to the nose. It's right. just like a you know, and they were like, if his eye goes up, like it's just like a white sphere if his right. brow goes. <laughs> and so they they eventually they they agreed like okay we're gonna get a full on like let's connect the middle of the brow down to right. the nose and, right he has two individual eyeballs yeah. yes he has two eyeballs but uh, I don't know <laughs> but anyway it's, the movie looks great my yeah. um, kids love it uh, my son I'm glad a, yeah a lot of fan. kids love it I'm I'm so happy a lot of my friends' kids are all big fans of it which is cool yeah you're part of history now so what what Doug what projects are you working on now you're still in animation. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, like I said, I mean, I I, um, I directed Rick and Morty season six, did two episodes, also one episode season five, which was the turkey episode. That was my first episode. And, um, you know, that was kind of like a big short term goal of mine. Uh, I know when you guys when you guys first reached out to this podcast, I had actually um, just kind of parted ways with them because it's a long story. But like, you know, basically they were they were downsizing the team a little bit. And I don't know. I was going to be going from directing back to boards. And I was like, I think I'm uh, good here. Like, yeah. is, you know, after busting my ass for season six, this is what I'm, I'm good. And, um, and uh, Justin Roiland actually um, approached me about doing um, a Halloween special. Um, so he was doing, he's, he's, he's a very busy Justin man. Roiland very, is one of the co-creators of. Uh, yeah. Voice of Rick and Morty. Um got a long history of doing a lot of really fun weird like i don't know if you guys ever saw house of cosby you guys know house of cosby's no that was kind of like very early justin stuff like that he did check it out i think you could find it he, he ended up getting a cease and desist from bill cosby about it uh it's about <laughs> this guy that, yeah he he it's, it's about this guy that's obsessed with bill cosby and gets one of his hairs and starts cloning bill cosby's um <laughs> where they did this without permission oh yeah oh yeah that's hilarious yeah. yeah and um that sort of led to well there's a whole anyone can look that up justin's backstory and everything but uh he's got a whole catalog of like you know shorts and things that he made before rick and morty so um this thing called the poloni family comedy hour he wanted to turn into uh he's he, hulu uh had him turn it into a it's like an anthology actually so it's um the poloni family hosting a Halloween special and uh, they show a lot of internet shorts. So I just did that. That's going to be dropping. Actually, I've got three things that are about to come out. There's the one that just aired. Um, there's another episode of Rick and Morty uh, that's coming on the second. And then on the 17th, October, there's um, the Poloni's Poloni family Halloween special. Um, and uh, that'll be on Hulu. And they, yeah, so now I'm a little bit in a transition point because I kind of want to do, I, the thing is, is like my my work tends to be, I've noticed it's just like, it's very ambitious for 2D. Yeah. Um, like I really like doing cinematic storytelling and kind of, you know, big set piece things and stuff like that. And so like the Sonic movies were kind of like a good place for me to be. Um, and so they're actually going to be making a third Sonic movie. 
um, which I'm in negotiations for to kind of work on that. And uh, there's a Knuckles spinoff show that Paramount is doing that I might also be involved with. So that's, I, I think sort of, it's sort of the next thing that just kind of came up. And, and you know, from there, I would like to um, do more 3D kind of movie stuff, I think. That's, that's kind of the direction I'm starting to kind of go. Do you, so, do you find it to be much different working in 2D animation than 3D animation? Very different. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. the 2D just has, you know, basic restrictions. Like you're going to have a singular background that you're oh. not going to be able to like do a crazy camera move through. Sure. Um, sure. Or, you know, it was what was interesting about Polonies um, is so it was kind of like a small project where I was kind of taking on multiple roles. Like I was I. I uh, it was it was at Titmouse in the special projects division, and I was the only director on the project, which meant I like directed the boards, but then I also directed like art directed it and also did the animation direction, which is very unusual because like Rick and Morty, you just do the boards and then it just goes down the pipeline and you wave goodbye to it and you don't see it till it's on television. So like right. a lot of times the artists may not they may misinterpret maybe the wrong word, but like they, they don't quite understand maybe that you wanted a really low angle there because the character is really small or right. so you want to shoot it really low. And um, so being able to kind of get my hands into some of the post-production stuff. And, and, and so Poloni's like, I was able to really, like I ended up hand animating a couple of shots myself. And, oh, cool. and, but yeah, it's just hard to kind of like trans for some reason, like when I, when I saw Sonic, the first movie like my boards translated much better into 3d and so i guess maybe more of that stuff is sort of where i'm going so doug assuming you want people to find you online and assuming i want to find out your german performance art where can people find you online to see what you're up to see some of your awesome figure drawing sketches you do and seriously tell me more about the german like art where i find that <laughs> oh my god um so yeah, my, uh, you know, dougolson.com. I mean, just look me up online. You'll probably find all the stuff. Mysterious DEO is my Instagram. Uh, Douglas Einer is my Twitter. Um, yeah, mostly it's figure drawings and occasional, like, you know, I clips of things that I've done. Um, yeah. Uh, so the, the German performance, so yeah, we, we, um, just to re rewind a bit, like when we lived in Berlin, we had a, um, we had an apartment. We showed, we me and my, my two buddies, I mentioned, we shared a one bedroom uh, apartment and um, we learned the word Wunderkraft and it can be applied to like all sorts of things like Wunderkraft machine or like Wunderkraft book, like all these things. And, and uh, we, we learned the term Wunderkraft house, which um, we, we, we were having a very trend. Huh? H-A-U-S? H-A-U-S. Yeah. Wunderkraft house. It's all one word uh, with a K craft. And um, yeah, the, 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 technical the, the technical translation is House of Miraculous Power. Ooh, and at, nice. at, at, the at the time we were all experiencing like a trans, like Berlin is such a fucking cool city. And we were there just like meeting amazing people and having an awesome time and doing all sorts of fun things. So yeah, we just started kind of like branding, like the work we were producing, we just said it was by Wondercraft House. And then like that sort of evolved into like these, you know, very sprockets like personas where we would like appear like on video in like, <laughs> and um, yeah, if you want to look up like the, our, our most famous, our most successful piece, if you look up Love Disco, L-U-V, 
Disco by Wunderkraft House, you'll you'll find something kind of fun. Right. Well, <laughs> I can't believe I just I just plugged Love Disco on a podcast. <laughs> well, with, with some, we'll have I'm to literally include typing a link. it into my computer right now to watch. A small set of people are. I, hopefully, you find it. Luv Disco Wunderkraft House. It'll probably come up. And you can find us, the Hypothetical Island Podcast, on Twitter at at Hypothetical Isle and on Instagram at at Hypothetical Island. Um, and also, uh. After a bit of a hiatus, Outrage is finally back. So make sure. Yeah. So check that out. Uh, that's on Webtoon. Um, and I've got links and stuff posted everywhere on my own social media, uh, which I never mentioned. So I should probably for once. Uh, I'm Twitter and Instagram's both is Riley underscore Brown. So, um, yeah. Give me a well, follow. Hell, I'm going to mention mine now then, too. On Twitter, I'm George the Mighty. I almost never check it. And on Instagram, <laughs> I am... I think I'm the George O'Connor. That sounds about right. Sure. Yeah. That sounds good. yeah. <laughs> Clearly I'm not good at social media. <laughs> well, thank you for being, uh, for joining us, Doug. Thank you guys. It's a very honored the, to sorry. be included here. <laughs> so for the hypothetical Island podcast, this was George O'Connor. This was Riley Brown. This is Douglas Heiner also. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Hypothetical Island. Hypothetical Island.